I'm Joshua Kagi from The Christian Citizen, and this is episode 26 of Justice, Mercy, Faith. In today's episode, Greg Hunt, research professor and coordinator of the leadership series at Central Baptist Theological Seminary, joins the podcast for a conversation with Christian Citizen editor Curtis Ramsey Lucas on Central's blog series, Beyond the Divisions, Faith and Politics in 2020. Here now is Curtis Ramsey Lucas with Greg Hunt. Greg Hunt is research professor and coordinator of the leadership series at Central Baptist Theological Seminary. He also serves as president of Directions Incorporated, a nonprofit he and his wife Priscilla formed to serve people as they lead their organizations, relationships, and lives. He is coordinating Beyond the Divisions, Faith and Politics 2020, a blog series on Central's website. The Christian Citizen is partnering with Central to offer some of that content on our website. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be with you, Curtis. So beyond the divisions, faith and politics 2020, uh, what is your hope for this series? And tell us a little bit about some of the writers that you've lined up. Yes, we, we uh, moved into 2020 knowing it was going to be an eventful year. We knew that politics was going to be headlining the year in significant ways. We also uh, observed as the year was unfolding that other things were taking place. Obviously, we live in a polarized society in general. The election year amplifies that. And then we had this pandemic <laughs> dropped on us right in the middle of all of that. Uh, the, the net effect of it is to ramp up anxieties, to expand and deepen the pol polarization of these times. We hoped to offer something beyond the divisions, as the title suggests, where we could find a way to center in on elements within our Christian faith that might distinguish us from the um, bipartisan nature of this debate, where we're determining whether we're um, Republicans or Democrats and, and and accepting the culture divides as the defining characteristics within our own faith community. We were also aware that <laughs> congregations are dealing with the complexities of this and all too often either opt for choosing one side or the other as it's conventionally defined in the culture at large or opting for the don't ask, don't tell um, choice where they fall into silence and in doing so, unfortunately, become rather toothless as those who reflect the way of Christ in our culture today. We wanted to contribute to a conversation that could move us past that and go more deeply into what it really means to be followers of the Lamb. In your article that uh, kicked off the series, Beyond the Divisions, Five Guiding Principles for Christian Citizenship in a Polarized Nation, you note that the question, what does it mean to be a Christian citizen in 2020, defies a simple answer. Why uh, is that from your perspective? Well, um, I, I can speak to it both as a theologian and as a human being in relationship with people I strongly disagree with. Um, the, the reality is that 
even once you land on biblical faith, there's still various interpretations of the scriptures, and uh, those interpretations impact uh, what one chooses to focus on, what one chooses to diminish in importance, even how one stands on particular issues. the, The issues we're dealing with are complicated, and if they weren't complicated, we wouldn't have a problem with the the divisiveness. It's it's difficult or, or, or I think, um, complicating in some unfortunate ways when what we find is that people are loyal more to a party than they are to the way of Christ and uh, really lock out a deeper reflection on the witness of scripture from Old Testament to new with the prophetic traditions and what it has to say about things that matter to us or going all the way back to Genesis where we're dealing with a distinctive way of looking at at the world that we call creation and what it means to honor that in our time. So, um, you know, these are complex issues and the cacophony, the noisy clang of of uh, people on different sides of the debate make it more difficult for us to find find clarity and and settle in on on a solid way that that is true to the faith we honor you argue that we're living in an era of seemingly unprecedented division uh, and it stands to reason that the division we see in our society is going to be reflected in the in the life of the church in the midst of that tension how can pastors speak to critical issues in ways that maintain unity in the church rather than furthering that division that's a great question and obviously uh, it's a big question for pastors uh, across the United States, in particular, given the focus of our, our series. Um, one of the articles, in fact, in the series is uh, specifically directed that way. Uh, Rhonda Abbott Blevins has written a very fine, thoughtful piece about a third way. Uh, as, as we state, uh, as I state in, in my first article that frames the whole series, we do need to remind ourselves that we are not people of the donkey or people of the elephant, reflecting political party. We're people of the lamb. And in fact, the icon for the series is a red, white, and blue lamb that uh, helps us uh, zero in on that. I think Rhonda does a great job of talking about how we find this third way where we're centered uh, in in Christ. I also think she does a, a lovely job of of balancing the prophetic and the pastoral. And 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 it is critical for us to have these conversations in ways that respect the humanity and integrity of everybody within the context that prepares people for conversations and I think from the pulpit and with the pen, uh, through pastoral uh, relationships, uh, pastoral leaders can provide the, the the prelude for having a fruitful conversation that prepares people to look at things more calmly and coolly, to listen with open hearts to opinions with which they agree and with those they 
um, don't share. And, and I think in that preparation process, there, there is a respect for how deeply visceral this conversation can get. And yet not cave to that, but, but actually speak to that and invite people to use brain research, so bright, uh, invite people in, into the higher reasoning um, and not just to stay stuck down in the gut level where emotions and uh, visceral reactions can get the best of us and we lose the ability to um, speak calmly and listen uh, carefully. There's a old saying that says one ought not to talk about faith and politics in polite company. Um, both subjects can be divisive, but simply avoiding that conversation and the connections doesn't really help us either, does it? No, it doesn't. And, it, and in fact, I've, I think uh, it's important to, to really hammer home uh, out of a respect for the witness of of Jesus of Nazareth, who in his life was clearly centered in a distinctive way in relationship with his heavenly Father, and out of that came the passion for the kingdom that led him to unapologetically confront what he saw as a broken religious system and political system in his day, and yet at the same time compassionately tend to the, the needs of those who came to him for hope and healing. Uh, I, I think if, if we really are centered in Christ, we will recognize that what we're driving for here is not a toothless neutrality, but rather a, 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 a vivid living, uh, at times prophetic presence that clearly offers a distinctive way in the face of contemporary questions that are urgent and, and multifaceted in nature that call for a distinctive vision that we bring into the conversation and into the actions of our day. Christians avoiding, um, engagement about politics with one another or, um, I think that suggests our shared faith is perhaps insufficient to address the complexity that you're, you're talking about here, or at least um, suggests it's insufficient to navigate those concerns together. Does it not? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's um, unfortunately a perspective that has supported uh, what, what demographics will tell us is the marginalization of the church. Um, there is a sense of, among an increasingly secular society that the church may be a nice holding environment for those who want to be around nice folk and, um, you know, have coffee together and eat donuts um, and, and, you know, play at uh, worship on Sunday morning. But that isn't really tied meaningfully into life in the real world. So that I think is tragic when set against the clear example of Christ, the witness of the early church, the pattern uh, and boldness of, of the people of God across the centuries, where we recognize that what we have to offer is um, profoundly important and 
uh, speaks to every single dimension of human existence and all of creation. So um, rather than being marginalized, it is. It's critical that we speak to this, that we risk the conflicts that are inevitable in settings where we are invested in certain points of view, that where we can, we find a common ground where we can act together, where uh, in areas we can't agree, we respectfully um, uh, honor each other's integrity and allow for individual expression, understanding that we're finite, that we're limited, that that, that human fragility and, and even sin comes into play and manage all of that without, uh, without giving into the silence that makes us irrelevant. You're getting at some of this already, but, uh, and you, talk about this in the article, you set out some some uh, principles to guide Christians toward a more constructive role in politics and society. Uh, what are what are some of those principles that, that you would draw on? Right. Well, I, I have I've spoken, first of all, to that center where we're not people of the donkey or people of the elephant, but people of the lamb. I think um, the, the next level of 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 this conversation draws us into some honest introspection about tending to the heart, what we're doing with the cultivation of our relationship with the living God, the, the vivifying power of the spirit in our lives. And, and let me speak really personally to this. I, I realize that, that I can craft a sophisticated uh, theological political, social point of view, um, but, but the, the echo of 1 Corinthians 13 comes back at me. That's uh, all clanging noise if I don't have love. And yet I realize that I'm as susceptible to um, aggravation uh, and name-calling um, the, the antagonisms of a polarized culture is anybody. And if I'm driven by that kind of anger, uh, if I'm driven by that kind of fretfulness and anxiety, these are not characteristics that uh, reflect the animating power of the spirit in my life. The only way for that animating power to be at work is if I tend to that inward life and allow the, 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 the river of life to, to flow through me and for a cleansing of, of things that need to be cleansed to take place. So what I do to cultivate a relationship with God and to be transformed by the heart of God so that I am really seeing things increasingly with, with a God's eye view and with, with the deep compassion and love that, that is reflective of that, only then can I come with peace as a peacemaker in culture. And peacemaking doesn't mean a placator, for sure, but peacemaking in terms of the spirit with which I engage, the love I display. And we have some wonderful historical examples of that with, with people who've, who've managed it uh, sometimes on the major stages of human history, Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement, Desmond Tutu and and uh, Mandela in South Africa, and, and on we can go with those who are nothing short of remarkable in their capacity to face hostility and misunderstanding, attacks not just verbal but physical, and still to be true 
because they were staying uh, tapped in to, to, to the source of, of a loving point of view. I also think it's, it's important for us to counteract uh, what, what um, one author uh, uh, writing uh, today has, has described as the culture of contempt and um, to find in ourselves what it is that leads us to treat others with disdain, dismissively. I think we need to practice biblical patterns of healthy relationship, healthy communication that involve listening for understanding and not just for agreement and disagreement, listening with patience and, and openness, speaking uh, with a gentleness of spirit, having a, 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 a reasoning but not contributing to um, the polarization and the conflict unnecessarily. And then, you know, I, I think it's important for us to realize when we are moving on to the public stage, and we must do so, to act with love and compassion and prophetically in our culture, you know, in, the, in this Me Too moment, in the Black Lives Matter moment, in a, 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 a context where the environment is threatened, where justice issues are confronting us in our own body politic, we need to be engaged, but I, I think uh, we must always remember that we are the missional people of God, that that purpose is, is the overarching, driving, energetic center for all we do. In other words, God has a mission for the world. Our, our goal is to understand what God's mission is and to join God in God's mission so that that, that motivation is, is uh, feeding um, all that we do. And, and then in that context, if we can understand those things, we can remind ourselves of that in congregational contexts, and it can shape and inform uh, how we discern what's important, what's not, what we can do together, what we need to, to accept won't be happening together uh, with a permission uh, giving beyond that for individuals to act in keeping with their conscience. I love Baptist tradition in that regard, because we, we really do as a as a heritage, honor uh, the, the importance of conscience. And therefore, even though there's a collective aspect of this conversation, we also honor that each individual must act in keeping with conscience. You mentioned that uh, missional mindset in the, in the approach to uh, things that divide us and the injustice that we see in, in society. How does that, um, that mindset shape or change uh, the way in which we engage or? Yeah, and you know, this is a, this is a big deal for local congregations. I, I've spent um, over four decades uh, engaged in congregational life as a congregational leader. And um, one of the challenges is that to the degree we get interested in society and decide we're gonna engage in compassionate ministries, we face a temptation for the work we do to be no different from what the local secular social um, organizations might be doing. And from time to time, we simply have to stop and ask ourselves, why are we doing this? What, what's driving us? Is it just that we're trying to feed people for a day or clothe them or do some job training? Um, are we involved in, um, ecological initiatives because we're we're simply interested in in joining that 
progressive wave uh, toward a new future? Or is it deeply rooted in our faith? Is it rooted in a vision of God and understanding of what's in, uh, at the heart of God's uh, purposes and, and this vision of the kingdom of God? What, what is the vision of the kingdom of God that Jesus was obsessed about in his life? How does that translate into our democratic republic, in, into our lives in society, where we're always centered in honoring God and bringing about God's vision of this commonwealth of love uh, rooted in, in, the, uh, in the love of the triune God? I, I think as, as we stay centered there, it shifts the focus of, of what we want to do why we're doing it, and it also impacts the, the way we evaluate what we're doing. Sometimes we have um, too short-sighted a view about the outcomes we seek. And um, God, obviously, from a biblical point of view, has a very long uh, perspective. There, there are ways that you, you establish what's been successful or what's not, uh, that if we were to, to place that on, say, the life of Jesus, um, we would find that he was a great disappointment. Uh, it, the net effect of some of what he did was quite the opposite of um, increased numbers of people persuaded by <laughs> what he did. You know, you look at, a, at the Gospel of, of John and see at one point in that Gospel, uh, by chapter 6, he's already sort of got people scratching their heads and starting to walk away from him. Um, he ends up um, on the last week of his life um, being celebrated as he enters Jerusalem, but by the end of the week, he's dying on a cross. So, so uh, I, I think when we're missional in our perspective, we recognize that what God wants us to do is to be faithful to a vision, even if it runs contrary to the prevailing stream of our day. Uh, that those shift and turn, but God's persistent purpose uh, lingers. And if we can stay fixed on that, then I think we can, we can live in peace and trust to the spirit, the outcomes of what we do. And the series again is uh, Beyond the Divisions, Faith and Politics 2020. And my understanding is that we'll be running through uh, up, up to the point of the election, is that right? That's exactly right. Well, we, we're hoping, uh, the design is that every Tuesday uh, between uh, when we started and election day, there'll be a new piece that adds another facet to this conversation. It's one that um, could go on and on forever, but we figured election day was as good a place to uh, draw it to a close as any. Well, thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today and uh, for your uh, leadership of the series. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing that content as well um, at The Christian Citizen. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be with you today. You can find all the articles in the series on Central's homepage at cbts.edu, and we'll be publishing selected articles in The Christian Citizen in the coming weeks at christiancitizen.us. When you visit The Christian Citizen, be sure to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, which includes newly published content, recent articles, and links to what we're reading elsewhere. 
Thank you to this week's guest, Greg Hunt. Our theme music is Believable 2 by Peter Sandberg. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. The show, website, and newsletter are produced by myself, Joshua Kagi. Stories are copy edited by Hannah Estefanos. Our art director is Danny Ellison. The Christian Citizen editorial board is Dr. Jeffrey Hagre, Laura Alden, Susan Gottschall, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the Reverend Salvador Oriana, the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Turner Triplett, and the Reverend Cassandra Carcuff Williams. And our advisors are Sherilyn Crow, the Reverend Kimberly Peyton Jones, the Reverend Stephen D. Martin, the Reverend Marvin A. McMickle, and the Reverend Harold Dean. To learn more about the Christian Citizen, visit our website, christiancitizen.us. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.